Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Naked Mama podcast. I am your host, Artemisa, mama to the beautiful baby girl in the cover photo. Join me weekly during one of your 20-minute mommy breaks to feel encouraged and supported as we talk about the naked truths and the desperately searched tips and tricks of motherhood. Remember, mama, you are doing amazing. Now grab a cup of coffee and let's get started. Hello, mamas. Welcome to episode one. This week is all about my labor story. So I am a firm believer that the more that you educate yourself, the more prepared you're going to be. So one of the ways to prepare yourself for labor is to listen to other people's labor stories. So my labor story begins Saturday, August 8th. At that time, I was 37 weeks and five days pregnant. I was feeling humongous, and I'm pretty sure at 37 weeks, I was trying to naturally induce my own labor. I was trying red raspberry tea, lunges. I was doing two-mile hikes. I was uh, using my pregnancy ball, bouncing on it, and I was uh, trying to have sex, which at that time is so difficult because you're huge. (laughs) Um, So... In that morning, Saturday, August 8th, I was doing my two-mile walk at Buffalo Park, which is in Flagstaff. It was a beautiful day. Just walking around, I wasn't feeling painful contractions, but I was feeling a lot of Braxton Hicks. And if I haven't mentioned before, I'm a nurse, and I actually stopped and took my FMLA at 36 weeks pregnant um, because I was working in the emergency room and just walking and lifting and doing way too much that my Braxton Hicks would be lasting almost hours. And it wasn't painful, but it was just very uncomfortable because you just feel tightening and the tightening doesn't go away. So it would be tightening while I was, you know, walking, sitting to start an IV, or even while someone was coding. So I decided no longer to work because I felt like I was just more of a nuisance than a help. Um, So I really had known what Braxton Hicks felt like, but that morning they were just feeling a little bit stronger. The tightening was definitely more firm. My belly, I felt like, just felt like a rock. So that really encouraged me to take another walk that same day. Around three o'clock, I got up and grabbed one of my dogs, which She's super adorable, but it takes a while (laughs) to get her going. We went on a, I think it's a 1.6 mile to and then a 1.6 mile from um, the end point. So a total of three and some miles for a hill walk, which was really difficult. I was sweating and huffing and puffing by the time we got to just midway, but I got home, I took a nap, and I woke up around 5 o'clock, and around 5 o'clock, I just felt different. Probably 30 minutes after, I started getting these, I don't want to call them period cramps because they definitely were a lot less. It more just felt like an upset stomach. So I texted my friend and I asked her, looking back, what did your contractions feel like at the very, very start? you know, before you knew that they even were contractions. And she kind of confirmed what I was feeling, that it first started off like this mild stomach ache, and then what it really became was period cramps or cramps after you have diarrhea and you've pooped everything out, nothing else will come out, but you still have these really, really strong cramps that you're just praying to God will go away. So yeah, (laughs) I definitely was starting to have those. So another thing here is... 
when um, you go to your doctor before you go into labor, one of the main questions women ask is, what do contractions feel like? And your doctor and a lot of people will say, you'll know um, when it happens. When it happens, you won't have to ask, are these contractions? And I don't think that's really true because to be honest, all the way up until I went to the hospital, I did know they were contractions, but I didn't know if they were real, like true labor contractions or if they were still practice contractions. Definitely not Braxton Hicks. I knew that. Um, so I wouldn't go off of, of what they say that when you have contractions, real contractions, you'll know because that really wasn't the case for me. Like I said, I asked my friend and she was the one that confirmed. And as they got stronger and stronger, I still had doubt. Like it didn't, <laughs> it wasn't until I was in the hospital, in the bed, and I saw when they hooked me up that I was having contractions. And it's like, oh, okay, these are contractions. And I didn't even know or I wasn't 100% sure I was in active labor um, until my nurse told me because my um, contractions weren't consistent. So another thing that we'll get to. So I start having those contractions and my husband's also a nurse. So I text him and I tell him around six o'clock, hey, I think I'm having contractions, but they're not consistent and they're not super strong. Don't worry. Like this could be hours. So he texts back. He's like, okay. Um, and by the time he gets home, which is probably around 7, like 40, 750, the contractions definitely were like what I had talked to my friend about, like those period cramps or those diarrhea cramps. They were there, but I was still able to make dinner and I was able to walk around. Um, so when he got home, it's not like I expected him to be worried, but I was like, you know, I'm in labor. Like he'll ask me like how I'm doing and all of that stuff. Nope. I was definitely wrong. <laughs> he came in and he saw that I was cooking and he was like, okay, cool. Like, what'd you make for dinner? I'm going to go hop in the shower. I'm like, oh, <laughs> don't worry. I'm doing fine. I'm just in labor. <laughs> so that, that was interesting. I still give him crap for that. <laughs> but after he got out of the bathroom, he ate. Well, we both ate. We watched a little bit of TV, which we at that time we were watching Ozark which is super good, but I don't know why we stopped watching it. Uh, then I just got this urge of like starting to clean up. So again, I have to interrupt the story to kind of, you know, throw something in here. So we were living in Flagstaff and the plan was, which you think I'm gonna, um, crazy, but it was our plan all along, was to pack up our stuff while I was in labor, like the last bits, go to the hospital. My parents would come up to Flagstaff they would pack up the rest of the stuff so we would only leave essentials like kitchen stuff, bathroom stuff, and obviously our bed and things that we needed for sleep. Um, my mom would pack all of that up and as soon as they would let me go out of the hospital after having my baby girl, Ellie, uh, we would just pick her up, pick up the last bit of things that was left in the apartment and we would literally drive whatever time we got out of the hospital from Flagstaff all the way down to Santan where we had bought our house. And that drive is three hours. So three hours with a newborn and I'm a first time mother. So I don't know how I did it or what I was thinking, but it was done. <laughs> so I started packing up 
Um, I started like putting things in piles. I remember being in the kitchen and just taking out all the pots and pans and putting it in one pile and our pantry stuff and putting that in one pile and trying to put things in boxes, kind of cleaning up like the stove, uh, cleaning up our microwave, our refrigerator. Like I was in clean mode. I was dedicated to get this place looking spotless because we were living in an apartment. I wanted our money back because you know when you have to put in, um, oh, what's the word? Oh, it'll come to me or it'll come to you and you'll say it as I'm trying to struggle for the word. Oh, deposit. We had to put a deposit down. Deposit uh, down. So I was cleaning and cleaning. I'm going to hit around probably, oh, what was it? It was probably like close to 10 where I was like, oh, okay, these are still going on. So I go and tell Christian, my husband, and I'm like, okay, so like they're still happening Um, And I read like when you get this surge of energy, it's most likely because you're going into labor and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, well, like how far apart are they? And like, are they consistent? And sure enough, like they were 10 to seven minutes apart, but not really super consistent or long. Like it wasn't like they were every 10 minutes or every seven minutes or they were super strong. It was still that period cramp type of feeling. So he's like, all right, well, I have work tomorrow. So (laughs) I'm going to go to bed. And if it gets worse, like, let me know. (laughs) I promise my husband is super, super nice and really attentive, but I think we both knew since we were both nurses um, that this could last a while and it wasn't really until either they were painful or consistent that we needed to go in. So I think, you know, him and I were both kind of just like, okay, this is, there's a beginning to labor and there's an end to labor. Like the beginning could be really long, but the end will be, you know, will come sooner or later. Um, So we were just like, okay, like fine. So I continued to clean and I was cleaning everything. Like I was cleaning our laundry. I cleaned the bathroom, our porch. Like I was packing everything up. Our dogs were looking at me like I was crazy, just kind of like in the middle of the night running back and forth like a crazy lady trying to get everything done because I felt like I needed to get everything done that night. (laughs) So around one o'clock, the pain had increased from labor cramps to, um, they were probably just like four notches above labor cramps. And I was still able like to talk through them, but I definitely needed to pace. So when the contractions hit like that tightness of your abdomen, um, I had to pace around. So if I was cleaning, like say the bathroom and I was on my knees, like scrubbing the toilet, I had to pop up and just kind of pace back and forth, back and forth. Um, if someone would have watched me, you know, <laughs> looking at me while I was doing this, I probably looked like a crazy woman, just like a sponge in her hand and my hair in a messy bun and me just kind of talking to myself, pacing back and forth, like, okay, this is it. It's coming. Talking to my poor baby, like, all right, like baby girl, you're going to be out here soon. <laughs> I would definitely probably look like a crazy woman. Um, So I woke up my husband uh, after probably like two o'clock and I was like, hey, I think you need to call out because they are getting stronger. So maybe uh, the baby will be born Um, at that time. It was now Sunday um, the 9th. So he did call out. Um, And he kind of stayed up with me for a bit and we saw that they, again, weren't consistent and the pain level was staying the same. So he was like, all right, well, one of us is going to get some rest. So I'm going to go to bed and wake me up if they get stronger. And I was like, okay, like you got it. So (laughs) I started pacing around again, walking around um, and I finished everything I could do or at least had, had the energy to do. So I just sat in my rocking chair and read a book. But around like four or five o'clock, the pain got to the point 
where I could not pace through them anymore. I needed to sit in my rocker and just kind of rock back and forth. Again, looking like a little crazy woman, rocking back and forth, like not saying anything, just kind of breathing in and out like (laughs) So I woke up my husband again (laughs) and I tell him like, hey, you need to get your butt up because you have a lot to do before we have to go to the hospital. I promise you, I gave him a list of things. I was like, you need to give the dogs a bath. Uh, We need to go to Walmart and get more boxes so we can pack things up. I need you to clean up the poop, like blah, blah, blah. I had this huge list and at the end of my list, it's like, I need a freaking smoothie as well. (laughs) So on top of everything else, get me a goddamn smoothie. (laughs) So (laughs) we started, uh, he woke up around like 6 a.m., like woke up, woke up. He gave the dogs a bath. I finished like getting ready. I made sure all of our hospital bag was good, everything. Um, And then we finally got out of the house around like 8 a.m. and we went to Walmart. We got the boxes and we did go and get me a smoothie and a PB&J sandwich, which is freaking delicious. But the contractions at that point were like staying the same. Again, not consistent. They were every, at this point, like every eight to six minutes. Again, not consistent. And the pain level was still one where I know it wasn't the worst that it could have been. Like on a scale of one to 10, the contractions were probably, oh, a four, maybe a five. But my contractions now, I could not feel in the abdomen. What I felt was a lot of back pain. And the back pain started vertical, and then two hours later is when it went horizontal, and it was lower back pain. So I actually didn't really experience um, a lot of my contraction in the abdomen. The rest of my contractions probably from 4 or maybe 3 a.m. to on until I had Ellie, um, I felt just back pain, and it was excruciating at one point. But at that time, when we were out and about um, at Walmart picking up the boxes and getting me the smoothie, I was probably, like I said, like at a four and with the back pain, but totally doable. Like I just had to pace. And after the contractions were over, like I was fine, like smiling and just kind of like going about my day, (laughs) which is normal if you research um, stages of labor. That's stage one. And it's totally normal for you to have like this urge, this kind of like um, energy where you just kind of want to do things, you're really happy that your baby's going to come out, Um, you can talk through contractions, or you can't, but you still feel like super encouraged. So I knew, like I said, a nurse, so I knew like this was normal, and I was like, okay, like this is like the best that it's going to get. This is the good part, so enjoy this while it lasts. Um, So we went home after that. Like I said, it was Sunday, uh, and I was tired because I I had not slept in more than 24 hours. I mean, on Saturday, I had woken up probably at probably 9 a.m. And I had been like on the go, 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 like did my walk and then did my second walk. And then the contractions started and didn't sleep through the night because the contractions um, had started and I was cleaning like a crazy woman um, to now, which was probably 11 a.m. on Sunday and I hadn't slept. So we got home and I was like, I need to get at least a little nap in. So I try to go sleep in the bed, but that was super uncomfortable. Laying down when you have big contractions is not the best feeling, especially like when it's not a hospital bed where you can elevate your head or your feet, where it's just like flat to the side and doesn't feel good. <laughs> so I actually took a little nap on my rock in my rocking chair. Um, 
And I honestly didn't think I was going to be able to because during the night I had tried to take naps, um, but I would close my eyes and the contractions would start. Like I would just wake up. So I was like, it's fine. Like if, if that's what it is, it's what it is. Like I'll just sleep, you know, six minutes in between every contraction or seven minutes in between every contraction. It'll soon add up. <laughs> so I grabbed a blanket and then I went to my rocking chair and tried to go to bed. And funny enough, I actually did sleep and I woke up. Um, around, it was like 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. Um, that I woke up and my contractions were gone. Like they were just gone. Like I didn't feel a thing. Like I could walk, I could talk, I could eat, I could jump. Like there was, there was nothing I could do. Like my contractions were gone. I was devastated, like devastated. I wanted to cry. I was like, what the heck? I just started having contractions. I was going into labor like, what in the world is going on? And again, being in the medical field, I was like, no, this is not happening. I am not about to be in labor for days. I need her to come out (laughs) because you can. um, You actually can be in labor for a really, really long time, like hours as in like days, not to scare you, but you can at least in the first stages of labor where you can still do things. Um, it's actually not super uncommon for you, for that to happen, especially first-time mothers. Um, so I was furious. I was like, this is not happening. So I sat down and I was like, what have I not tried to naturally induce her? And I went through everything and I was like, I've tried it all. <laughs> and then I thought back, I was like, what kind of kick-started this? And I was like, oh my gosh, it was my hill walks with my little puppy. I was like, okay, I am going to do another hill walk. And I kind of downplayed the hill walks the first time that we talked about them, but these hill walks are hill walks. I mean, it's Flagstaff, which is higher elevation. So naturally you're out of breath when you go on a higher incline. And these were up and down hills, like up and down hills. I'm freaking pregnant, like almost 38 weeks pregnant. And I'm walking with my dog. So, and it's kind of hot outside. I mean, it's summertime. Okay. Well, it's August. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we're going to do this one more time. <laughs> so I grab Quinny. I uh, tell Christian, like I have my phone on me. I will text you if something happens. And he's like, okay. Uh, Cause I didn't really want him to go with me because I'm really slow walker. At that point I was a really slow, slow walker. And I just kind of like, like taking my time, like, like listening to music and talking to my baby and talking to Quinny. So it's like, Hey, I'm just going to leave you behind. I don't want to think about you right now. Like I just want to get this baby out. I need some alone time to kind of get rid of my frustration. (laughs) So I grabbed Quinny and we went on our hill walk again and no lie. Halfway there, I started feeling these contractions 10 times worse than what they had left off the first time that I had contractions. The back pain was painful and I was halfway. So I was like, okay, what do I do? Do I call my husband to have him pick me up or do I keep going? And people were driving by like really slow, just kind of watching me. And then the people that were walking their dogs as well were looking at me. A lady even asked, she's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just in labor (laughs) all naturally and calm. (laughs) But on the inside, I was like, no, I'm not okay. I'm in labor right now. This baby's going to come out of me. But I made the decision uh, to continue. So I was like, nope, I'm not calling my husband. I want Eliana out of me. So let's get going. So I talked to my poor dog. I was talking to Quinny. I was like, hey, Quinny, 
please, please, every time the contractions hit, we're going to stop and please be a good girl, even if a dog comes by. And Quinny doesn't bark at dogs. She's actually super, super shy. So what she does is kind of cower next to me, like look up at me and kind of like just um, cry. But I can't deal with that when I'm in that much pain. So that's why I was talking to her. I was like, please just just be a good girl. (laughs) Don't cry. (laughs) If if dogs come near you, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) So we start heading back home. And oh man, every time the contractions hit, I had to stop, stop and like huff and puff. I was like, ah, oh, shoot, like this is, this is, I think this is it. <laughs> this must be it, right? Like this can't be worse. Can it be worse? Like it, all these thoughts were going through my head. So I'm sure it was taking a long time. My husband calls me and he's like, hey, so what's going on? Like, do, do you need me to pick you up? Like you sound out of breath. Like it, what's going on? Like I'm getting in the car. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I literally am like 10 minutes away. Um, just start the bath for me because I need to soak and figure out like what's going on and mentally prepare myself for this because I knew I was no longer in the first stage of labor. I was in the second, like where I needed to be focused, <laughs> focused and ready. So when I got home, I got in the bath and I was just like thinking like, okay, are, is this real? Are these contractions really it? Because if I was being honest with my scale, honest with myself on a scale of one to 10, they were probably a five and a half or a six, which sounds crazy, right? Because I just told you they were super, super painful, but I, I knew that these could get worse. So I couldn't rate them a 10. I could probably rate them, like I said, a five and a half or a six. So I got in the bath and I was just thinking, and that definitely helped for me. The bathtub helped like that warm water really relaxes your muscles and it helps with the contractions. So I stayed in there for probably an hour and I was contracting in the bathtub. But like I said, I was kind of, I was comfortable-ish, not super comfortable, like where I was like, oh, okay. But you know, comfortable enough to stay in there for an hour and contract. (laughs) But when I got out, um, I went to the bathroom, like I sat on the toilet because I felt like something was coming out. And sure enough, my mucus plug fell, which if you don't know what that is, um, it is, so your cervix, it has to open, um, but what keeps it from bacteria coming in before it opens, before it needs to open is a mucus plug. So something that kind of covers like literally mucus and that falls as soon as your cervix starts to dilate. Um, so when my mucus plug came out, I was like, okay, so I for sure am at least dilating, you know, it has to be more than two centimeters for this to kind of really happen as the much that came out as much as came out. I was like, okay, so like at least two. So I feel like I am going into labor. Like I am not an active labor, but I'm going into labor. It's like, okay, so this is, this is real. I, for sure, these, these have to be contractions. Like this is literally how I was talking to myself in my head. It's like, these have to be contractions. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my mucus plug fell. <laughs> like I was, I was like so confused. Like I'd never gone through this before. So I was trying to, <laughs> trying to downplay my pain, I guess in my head. I was like, okay, like this is, <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> um, so I talked to my husband and he's like, okay, like let's, so this is real. So now let's really try to time this. So we had this app um, and the app, uh, each of us had him on our phone. So, you know, if he wasn't around, I could time him. Or if I was just in too much pain, like he would time him. Um, I probably stopped timing him like two hours after my bath because they were, I was so much in pain that I was just like, I just can't click a, a button right now. I just need to focus, like sit down and like hum to myself and rock again, like a crazy woman in my rocker and just kind of wait for it to pass. <laughs> so uh, honestly, from probably like five uh, until 
I went to the hospital, my contractions were anywhere between uh, seven and four minutes, and they were lasting an hour. Um, And around at nighttime, probably midnight, we were really debating, like, should we go in? Should we not? Um, But I had remembered the uh, 511 rule where they have to be uh, a minute apart, uh, sorry, five minutes apart, lasting for one minute, um, and that should be going on for at least an hour. And I was like, okay, well, they're definitely lasting a minute. They're not five minutes apart. And has this been lasting an hour? Yes, it's been lasting hours. Like this isn't, (laughs) I've been going through this for way too long. (laughs) I was thinking to myself like, oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) But they're not consistent. They're not every five. Like they're anywhere between seven. They're five minutes. They're four minutes. Like they're they're six minutes. They're just kind of all over the place. So I was telling my husband like they're not consistent. He's like, let's not go in because they'll just send send you back. And we're in COVID. So we're like, yeah, I don't want to go to the hospital. Like we work in the hospital. I don't want to be there. Like we know what goes on, right? Like we know all the dirty little secrets and how dirty the, the hospital actually is. Um, so we were like, yeah, no, no, no. I want to labor at home. <laughs> so we continued until it reached two in the morning. Like this is how long it took me to finally find my voice and be like, no, I am in so much goddamn pain right now. I need to be in a hospital for them to at least reassure me that I am dilating, <laughs> that I am going from two, three, four and on, like <laughs> that I'm not just staying at two and that these are strong contractions. Like I feel them. Like someone needs to tell me that these are strong contractions or am I just being a little wuss and thinking that these are like super painful, writing them at like six now, you know, that I think they're super painful. Or are they actually like real contractions and really strong contractions? And he's like, but they're not consistent. And I was like, no, 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 no. I am like about to cry in between these contractions because it wasn't the pain, but it was the anticipation. I was like, I'm anticipating these and they're really painful. Like we just need to go to re- for, some- for someone to reassure me that they're as strong as I think they are. <laughs> He's like, all right, grab your stuff and we'll get going. So we go to the hospital, which is only like 12 minutes away from the apartment at that time. Uh, so we go in and it is no longer Sunday. It is Monday now right? So it took me from Saturday all the way until Monday. True story. My gosh, it was a long time being in labor. So we get there and the nurses are like, hey, and I was like, oh, hey, long time to see. It's <laughs> like, so get me in, <laughs> strap me up. I need to know. <laughs> so they put the contraction uh, monitor on me and then the heartbeat had to hear the baby. And my nurse looks at me and she's like, yep, honey, like you're contracting. Those are real contractions. Uh, they're roughly anywhere between like four and six minutes apart. And they look like really strong contractions. And I was looking at the number and um, the waveform at that at that point. And I was like, yep, okay. So they are strong. <laughs> I am in labor. Like it took me till then to be super convinced that I was in labor and this baby was coming. Like before I was kind of like, uh, are these real? Like, should I go to the hospital? No, no, no. I was, I was in labor. I was like, all right, <laughs> this is it. So because of COVID, um, they can't admit you until you're five centimeters dilated or at least the hospital that I was at. And I was at four. Um, so she said, uh, my nurse told me if in an hour I go from four centimeters to five centimeters, I would be considered to be in active labor and I could be, um, brought into the hospital and I could go into a room. So I was like, all right, lady, bring it on an hour. I can do that. Like 
I'm sure I'll go from four to five. These are strong. (laughs) I can do it. (laughs) So she leaves and I kind of just pace around the room and kind of do more lunges. Um, I go to the bathroom, you know, try to get everything going. Um, And she comes back and she checks me and she's like, yes, you're five centimeters. And I was like, okay, well, strap me up and take me to my bed. (laughs) This is happening. So they let us in um, and they get us to bed around uh, 4 a.m. And I call my mom. And I tell her, hey, like, get on your way because this baby, I'm being admitted. This baby is coming today. And she's like, all right. So they're on their way to Flagstaff um, to pick up the apartment and wait there since we can't have any visitors because of COVID. It's like, okay, we're going to only stay 24 hours if it's a vaginal birth. And if it's a C-section, we're only going to stay 48 hours uh, post-birth. So that was the game plan. So I get into the room and I know how silly this is going to sound, you guys, but... I hate needles, like with a passion, okay? And I have worked in ICUs, which is intensive care, and I have worked in the ED, which is the emergency department. Literally in the ED, we flip and turn patients. So if they need something, I will start an IV. And like 70% of the time, maybe 60% of the time, um, I'll start an IV to get labs or for them to go get like a CT or whatever it is. So that's kind of what I do. Like I start IVs and in ICU, like I'd start IVs as well, but I'm just not good with needles. And another side note here, uh, because I've worked in the ICU, I've seen and I've helped physicians put in an epidural. So I know the process of like they numb the area first with one needle with lidocaine, um, and then they will put in uh, the epidural um, needle that will have the tube there that they'll leave there. So I know how long it is. I know the process, right? What they do, all of that kind of stuff. So like I said, knowledge is power, at least for me. Some people, I wouldn't say oblivious is better, but some people not knowing the details is a little bit better for them because then they start to freak out about like, you know, how big the needle is or the pain level or that kind of stuff. But for me, knowledge is power. So all of that kind of like helped me. But like I said, I was really scared of needles. So the one thing I was fearing not the actual labor because I knew in my head labor had a beginning and had an end. I had already started. So there had to be an end point to this. And I was being admitted and I was already five centimeters dilated. Like I only had five more to go. Like their end was at least soon (laughs) or sooner than later, I guess. (laughs) So that wasn't scary, but it was the gosh dang IV that scared me like I was actually fearing for my life like I was like no please don't stick me I don't want I don't want an IV please don't (laughs) so I do tell her that (laughs) I get there and she's like don't you work in the ED I've seen you and I was like yes (laughs) don't tell anyone (laughs) but I really hate IVs (laughs) I even thought about asking her if my husband can put it in (laughs) but that's not allowed so I was like no it's fine I'll just close my eyes (laughs) so she puts the IV in and immediately as a treat like can I please get in the bathtub like I just want to labor a little bit in the tub and she's like yes you can get in the tub and I was like sweet because at that point my water hadn't broken and if your water breaks you actually can't get in the tub Um, but you could do a shower at that point but my water had not broken so I could get in the tub and I would definitely recommend the bathtub. Like the bathtub is such a good place uh, to labor at least for like an hour. Like I said, your muscles just kind of tend to relax when you're in warm water um, and you feel a lot lighter when you're there. I don't know. It's just peaceful. You can play soft music. 
that's just me. Some people at that point at five centimeters were, you know, would tell me like, heck no, Artemisa, I am not about to labor in a tub where I have to get my butt out of the tub after I'm there for an hour and dry myself and blah, blah, blah. I get it. Like it's a lot of work, (laughs) but I liked it and I would recommend it. I really would. (laughs) So I got in and I stayed there for, like I said, about an hour. Honestly, think I took a little nap. I got out and um, she said, she asked me if I wanted to be checked. Uh, And I said, yes. So she checked me and I was six centimeters dilated at that time. And she asked me if I wanted an epidural. And I said, no, like, let me just kind of try it. I mean, the worst part's over. The IV's over. You know, what worse? What else can happen? (laughs) That was my mindset. What else? (laughs) Nothing worse than an IV. (laughs) So (laughs) I refused the epidural at that point. Um, And I was like, okay, yeah, like, this is fine. Like, this is fine. I can do this. (laughs) Um, So Christian and I are just kind of talking and blah, blah, blah. When the contractions would come, I definitely would have to hold, like, the railing of the bed. But I didn't scream when I, like, found out, like, how I handle pain. (laughs) So I'm not a screamer. I am more of, like, a silent type and then just, like, a deep breathing, like, deep breathing, trying to concentrate and telling myself like, it's going to be okay. Like this is worth it. Like your little baby girl is going to come out of your vagina soon. Like it's fine. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) Like you got this. (laughs) So it's definitely tucking myself up, right? (laughs) So (laughs) roughly another hour goes by and she comes back again and she's like, Hey, how you doing? Um, We're seeing that the contractions are getting a little bit stronger and they're getting close together consistently like five minutes. Um, starting to head around four. How are you feeling? I was like, yeah, so it's really painful. Like, <laughs> I'm just not going to lie to you anymore. Like, it hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. My back was just killing me. It felt like I was being stabbed in the back. Like, every time the contractions would start, it would be a slow stab to a full increased stab that would last an, a minute. And at that point, like, I was looking at the clock like counting down until a new contraction would start. Like I knew they were five minutes apart or like four and a half minutes apart. So I would literally just be like, no, like I don't want, you know, I want time to go slower because I need more of a break. Five minutes is not a long time. Okay. When you're in labor uh, between contractions, no, not a long time. You feel like it's a long time when you're not doing something or you're doing something um, boring. Yeah, no, 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 no. And a minute is forever forever your contractions feel like they're an hour you're like why does this not end (laughs) this is longer than a minute and then you look up and you're like no it's only a minute (laughs) dang it that felt longer (laughs) so I'm very honest with her and I was like okay like who's on for today uh, for anesthesia like I want to know who's going to be putting my epidural if I do get it done again another nursing thing (laughs) but I, I since I've worked there I know who who's who. So it's like, who's, who's, who's on today? (laughs) So they told me and I was like, all right, uh, man, like I, I, I feel like I can go a little bit longer, but do I really want to go longer? Like I, we always tell patients never reach a 10 out of 10 pain because when you do reach a 10 out of 10 pain, everything is more difficult. You know, starting an epidural will be more difficult because you're in so much pain. Like you won't be able to sit still 
or you won't be able to concentrate to just kind of not stress out about the situation. Like you won't be able to actually deep breathe because you're in so much pain and you're anticipating the next one, right? So he's like, okay, Artemisa, are you at a 10 out of 10 pain? Because if you are, it's you better tell him like now <laughs> or like, where are you? So honestly, at that point, I was probably like close to a seven out of 10. And I was like, all right, so... Uh, like I, I should just tell him yes. And then when he gets here, I'll make my final decision. So I was like, all right, yeah, I want the epidural. Can you tell him to have the epidural? So they call him um, and he comes like super, super quick. He probably was there within 15 minutes and he's like, hey, I'm so-and-so, like I'm here. And I was like, oh, and like we know each other. And he's like, oh, hey, Artemisa. And I was like, hey. He's like, oh, because I'm going to put your epidural in. And I was like, all right, hold on. Just give me like five seconds to like think this through. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah. I want it. And the reason why I got an epidural, which I will tell mothers if you're thinking um, either before, whether you're thinking, um, should I get an epidural? Should I not get an epidural? Like, how will I know if I do want one or if I don't want one? So this is one of the questions that I asked myself and I feel like it will be helpful if you ask yourself this question when it comes time to you really thinking about, do I want an epidural? Is are you looking at the clock for the next time your contraction is going to start? Are you dreading for your next contraction to start? And that's the only thing that you can focus on is waiting, is counting down for your next contraction. If so, do you want to be like that before your baby comes? Or do you want to really enjoy, not that you, it's hard to say enjoy. Pain-wise, you can't really enjoy, but you can enjoy like these memories do you want to enjoy the last couple of minutes that you have or the last couple of hours that you have as a family unit that you are now? So for me, it was just me and my husband. So a family unit of two, because in a couple of hours, it's going to be not only a family unit of two, but a family unit of three with a new baby. Do I really want to focus on building the memories with me and my husband and building the memories between the time we have now or dread between each contraction and dread the contractions and be in a lot of pain through it all? I felt like I wanted to really concentrate on my husband and really look at my husband, you know, right before I started to push and think, this is the last moment. It's just ever going to be me and him. And I really wanted to focus on what he was telling me. You know, I would see birth videos or other mothers would talk to me about their birth and they would always say, my husband would like kiss my forehead or he would like rub my leg and he would tell me I was doing a good job and blah, blah, blah. And I really wanted to like remember that. I really wanted to remember when Christian kissed my forehead and when he kissed it for the last time before Ellie came into the world. Or I, I wanted to remember, you know, how he would encourage me or if he like looked while Ellie was coming out. Like I really wanted to be focused on the small details. So I looked at the anesthesiologist and I was like, yes, I do want the epidural, but I'm feeling nauseous. So can I have some Zofran? <laughs> That's literally like, that was literally what came out of my mouth. <laughs> and as soon as it came out of my mouth, I threw up. <laughs> because the pain that I was in and I had just, I had eaten before making the decision of having an epidural or not, because that's another thing. Before you get an epidural, they give you a chance to eat. Uh, and I strongly suggest that you do because you don't know how long it will be until you actually have your baby after they put in the epidural. Just don't eat fast. Like I scarfed it down. I wasn't thinking. I was just like, I need to scarf it down before my pain gets up uh, too high. And he comes and puts in the epidural. Like I was just like, I need to worry about other people's time. No, no, no. Don't do that. Worry about like you. If they come in and you're still eating, it is fine. I promise you they're going to come back. They have to come back. 
the nurses will bug them for them for them to be back and they'll happily be back like the anesthesiologist will come back to put in your epidural it will be okay like eat slowly learn from my mistake <laughs> so i threw up um, but they still gave me Zofran uh, just in case I was still nauseous uh, after. Uh, but the funny thing that the anesthesiologist did tell me was like, hey, don't worry, I've put in an epidural um, with people in a lot of pain and throwing up. I can start now if you want as I was throwing up. And I look at him and I was like, no, please wait. Like, <laughs> let me throw up first. <laughs> That's where I did speak up. So if you ever have that, like all these small moments, like when either like your nurse is pressuring you or you feel like she's pressuring you or, or he's pressuring you or your doctor or the anesthesiologist or whoever it is like you feel is not giving you enough information or you feel pressured or you feel rushed or whatever it is uh, stop like this is your labor no one can advocate for you like you can advocate for yourself okay like that's a really important thing to remember is you this is you you are thinking about you and your baby if you need more information, get more information. If you need more time, you can have more time. And that's exactly what I told him. I was like, no, wait until I'm done throwing up. <laughs> and then you can put in the epidural. Like I wanted to be safe. I was not about to throw up and move forward as he's sticking a needle in my back. I was like, no, 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 no. Give me a moment. <laughs> so he waited after I was done um, feeling nauseous. And then he started, he put it in. Um, and with epidurals, so a lot of women don't know this, is the epidural, it can be incorrectly, but it being slightly to the right or to the left, just slightly can change how numb you feel and where you feel the numbness, okay? So if in reality, you really don't feel numb, like say you're feeling at a scale of one to 10, you're 10 being like numb, numb, where you can't feel your legs or you can't move your legs, which is also not good. But say you're at a three where you still can feel things like you can touch your legs and it's not like you feel tingling, but you feel or you pinch your thigh and you can feel the pain from the pinching. No, they need to take out that epidural and put in a new one. All right. Um, but if like, say you feel like I said, 10 out of 10 is where you can't feel your legs and you can't like at all, you can't even feel tingles. That's not good. Not good at all. They definitely need to take that out. <laughs> um, but like say from a scale of one to 10, you're at a seven where you feel those tingles, like ants are crawling and you may or may not be able to lift up your legs on your own, but you still have sensation. Like if someone touches your toes, you may feel a tingle. If someone touches your thigh, you may feel a tingle or a little bit stronger. That is normal. Okay. That's normal. And sometimes you feel more tingling or more numbness in your right than in your left. That is also normal. Like I said, um, it could be the epidural can be in the correct place, but just off slightly will uh, really affect how much and where you feel the epidural. So for me, I felt the epidural, um, that uh, numbness feeling a lot more on my left side, but I definitely still had numbness and tingling on my right, but just a lot more on my left. So I knew um, that it wasn't placed 100% perfect, which is really common. Like a lot of women don't have um, equal numbness and tingling or um, the, like just perfect epidural every single time. Like it's just really hard to do. So like I said, it's normal if you feel numbness or tingling heavier on one side or the other or whatever it is. 
So he put it in and he asked me and I was like, nope, it feels good. I was still able to like lift up my legs. Like I said, it felt numbness and tingling. My right side felt a little bit less, but I was fine. Um, so I was super thankful that I did that epidural because, um, again, another myth is, uh, women think that after the epidural, you feel no pain. Not true. You definitely still feel pain, but it's just a lot less. It's, it's a little bit stronger than your period cramps. Now you're like back to stage one of labor where you're able to, um, maybe pace through the pain. That's kind of like where I was at. Like I would still feel the contractions and I still felt back pain, but it wasn't severe. It wasn't where I was rating it seven out of 10. It was probably like we were back at like four and a half, which is a lot better because you're able to concentrate. You're able to talk. Um, you're able to still like be you. And the most important thing that at least for me was that I was able to take a nap. Heck yeah. Heck yeah for epidurals and napping. Like I took advantage. I took a long snoozer. I think I took a nap for two and a half hours and I just rested my pretty little eyes. I was like, all right, <laughs> it's nap time. I'm fed. I threw up. I got my epidural. It is nap time because after this, it's game time. So I uh, took a nap and then I woke up and she's like, hey, let's check ya. Oh, I forgot to tell you. So before they put the epidural in, I was uh, close to eight centimeters. So after she came back, um, she's like, hey, let's check ya. So she checked me after like the two-ish hour nap. And I was uh, nine centimeters dilated, but because it had taken me um, oh, close to nine centimeters, I was like eight, a little more than like eight and a half. Uh, but because it had been a little more than two hours that it took so long from go to, going from an eight to uh, close to an eight and a half, she's like, we need to start Pitocin, which is again, not uncommon when you have an epidural. So usually when you have an epidural, it will slow down the process of labor more often than not. I do hear stories where an epidural kind of helped labor progress. Like I said, more often than not, it will slow it down. So they have to use a medication that goes through your IV called Pitocin. So they start that um, and they slowly have to increase that. I think it's every 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Don't quote me on that part um, where they increase the dosage. Um, and they slowly will increase, increase, increase until your contractions get stronger. And then you um, become more dilated until you're uh, 10 dilated and you're 100% effaced, which is like the thinning, the thinness of the lining. Um, so until you're 100% and 10 is when they'll stop increasing the Pitocin, but they'll keep it on even after you're at a 10 for dilation and you're 100% effaced. So they'll keep it on until your placenta is pretty much delivered. So she started that and she probably started that around two or three. It was probably two because she increased it again, like increased it three times. And I was just chilling, called my mom, made sure everything was okay talk to her and around close to 4 p.m. I felt like I was ready to go. Dr. Lindstrom came in and he checked me and he asked if my water broke and I had said no um, and he's like okay like do you want me to break it? So this I'm not too sure of like what the benefit is of breaking the water and I did ask him and he said sometimes it can speed up your labor. Uh, he's like but it's pretty like pretty much 50-50. He's like we can wait for it to break um, or if you want I could break it, but in the end, truly, like your water has to break before your baby is born. So it's like, all right, let's just 
let's just break my water. Again, I didn't know what actually, like what it took to break my water. So I feel like if I would have been more educated on the fact of sometimes they have to use a hook, um, sometimes they don't use a hook, they just use like a tongue depressor. So depending on like your doctor, depending on what they want to use to break your water, I probably should have been more educated on that. Uh, some, like I said, some people use a hook. If it if it was a hook that he was going to use, I would have said no. But when he checked me, literally at that moment that he checked me, my water broke. I was like, oh, I feel something wet. And he's like, I think your water broke. And I was like, yep. I was like, yay for naturally breaking my own water. <laughs> yes, body. <laughs> Win for the win. <laughs> so after that, he gave me a little bit longer. Um, and probably 30 minutes later, the nurse came in and she's like, how are you feeling? I was like, I feel like I'm ready. And she checked me. And sure enough, I was, uh, like I said, my water had broken. I was uh, 10 centimeters dilated. I was 100% effaced and I was ready to push. <laughs> and she's like, all right, let's start doing some practice pushes. Um, and then we'll start like pushing and then I'll call Dr. Lindstrom. And I was like, sweet. All right, let's get started. So Christian is on the right side of me at this point. And he, this is exactly why I got the epidural. He was a amazing during this process. Before we went to the hospital, it was probably like a month before we went to the hospital. I'm a type A, so I really like having a plan. So we had talked about a lot and went through different situations to see like what he would do and what I would do. So we had already talked and previous to us being where we were at that point, he had told me he did not want to look at the baby coming out and he wanted to be at my head and he would go no further than my waist and he would be turned towards me just to see me. And I was like, okay, like if that's what you want, like that's that's totally fine. Like you'll still be there to, you know, support me. Like that's fine. But when we got there, I started pushing. I promise you it was an instinct because he didn't even notice that it was happening. <laughs> he goes down to my feet and he just watches. He looks up at me and he's like, our little girl has a full head of hair. He's like, and her hair looks just like yours. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's down there. <laughs> he doesn't even know it. <laughs> Little does he know <laughs> is that he's down there. <laughs> uh, but those are the moments that I say I'm really thankful for the epidural. I feel like I really like loved seeing him through all of that. And he would come up to me and he would kiss my forehead like the other moms had told me that their husbands did. He would kiss my forehead and just tell me like, I love you. You're doing so great. Um, the next push, push harder. I see her little hair. She's going to be beautiful. Like you're beautiful. You're doing amazing. And he would count with me and he would like squeeze like my hand. It was just so nice like to remember all those moments. And I did. I did look up um, right before she's, our nurse told us that he, she was going to call Dr. Lindstrom, look up and look at him and look at like the room and just think these are the last moments. I'm going to cry. These are the last moments. Like it's going to just be me and him. After this, our life is 100% changed. Like it's not just me and my husband. It's not going to be easy getting out of the house anymore. It's not going to be easy getting ready. It's not going to be easy to have a date with my husband. It's going to be a family of three and it's going to be difficult for a while because we have a newborn. I literally was thinking about all of this. And I felt so thankful and so grateful that I had the option to get an epidural and really just soak up those moments. 
And after Dr. Lindstrom came in, I pushed probably four times um, and he did a perineal massage to kind of help my uh, vaginal canal open up bigger. My vagina. (laughs) Vaginal canal. My vagina. (laughs) He stretched me out (laughs) so I wouldn't tear, which I definitely would recommend. I would ask your doctor if they could do um, a perineal massage. So you have less of a chance tearing. It doesn't guarantee 100% of the time that you won't tear, but it's just like a, a little like plus, like, hey, we're going to do this. So you um, have a strong possibility of not tearing. So he did the massage, the perineal massage um, as Ali was coming out was with uh, mineral oil. And it helped because I had less than a one, grade one tear, which is super great. He even asked me like, do you want stitches? And I was like, I, I mean, do I need them? And he's like, well, n- no, but yeah, I mean, yes, like it could help healing. He's like, but it's a, less than a grade one. And I was like, yeah, just do them. I mean, they're dissolvable. Like what? there's no harm in putting them in. Um, I'm going to have to take care of like my perineal area the same way, whether you put them in or not. So I was like, just put them in. <laughs> um, so he delivered Ellie. And as soon as they deliver your baby, they will put um, him or her on your chest. And that's exactly what they did. So they put Ellie on my chest and we just had skin to skin time. And I just felt like the world changed. <laughs> I felt like I had been with this little girl for nine months and we had been a team. And now that team was like broken up. Like we were no longer one, which is what it felt like. It felt like just when people talked about my baby, it felt like they're also talking about me because she was in me, right? So we were just like a one, like we were just one. Um, but after she was delivered, it felt like we were two and I fell in love with her. Like it was just the moment of like, oh my gosh, you're real. <laughs> you, <laughs> It's not just one of us, it's two of us. Like you came out, you're real. I made that, like I made your little nose, I made your ears, I made your lungs, I made your heart, like I made your feet, made your toes. Like it was just hard not to stare at her. Um, but after they put her on my chest, they asked if I wanted to breastfeed, which was a part of our plan. So I did. I immediately breastfed. Um, and then they also did skin to skin time with Christian. I mean, our baby girl was born at 4.49 p.m. on Monday. That was August 10th. Um, so our labor was all the way from Sunday from 6 p.m. all the way until 4.49 Monday time. So I don't know how many hours that was, but that's definitely days. And I don't even think you can consider labor being over at that point because my placenta wasn't delivered. But in the meantime that I was holding Ellie and breastfeeding her and Christian was doing skin to skin, Dr. Lindstrom was um, delivering my placenta, which I didn't feel because the epidural was still on, um, which is normal, was still on and he was um, doing that and they were stitching me up and they turned it off after the delivery of the placenta. So I still had like um, leftover epidural while he was stitching me so I didn't really feel that that's kind of like what happens in the background after they deliver your baby but to be honest even if you do feel it it doesn't feel awful because you're holding your little baby you know your your concentration and your energy is somewhere else and you're so in love that some people you know some women will feel tugs or will feel pain um but from the women that I I've talked to that say that they do feel that that they're just so concentrated with their baby baby and they're so thankful for their baby that they're just like it's fine just stitch me up <laughs> it's it's okay I'm holding my baby uh, which like I said it wasn't painful for me but that's what I've heard so after that they leave you with your baby for 90 minutes they're like okay I'm, we're pacing out like here's your baby and we've never had a baby before so that was a shocker like a shocker we're like okay well 
What do we do with our baby for 90 minutes? How do I hold her? How do I pass her along? She's hungry. How do I breastfeed her again? My God. It's so overwhelming those 90 minutes, but it's also so peaceful because you really do want them to leave. You're like, okay, leave. I want to be alone with my baby. But then they leave and you're like, oh wait, hold on. I have questions. Come back. But they do come back because they have to do all these testing on your baby um, and then you have to give them your your baby's name and all this other stuff. That's my birth story. This is a long episode, but I just wanted you guys to hear a little bit about, you know, what could happen. Um, So mine, I feel like overall is a normal labor, but I feel like what you could take out of my labor story is bathtub. Think you don't want an epidural right away and you want to try to do natural birth or you're determined to do natural birth. Bathtub is a great place to labor. If your water has broken, um, you can't get in the bathtub, but you can get in the shower and advocate for yourself because it is worth it. At least I think so. So if during pregnancy you like getting in the bathtub and you feel relaxed, I mean, I feel like you would do great in the bathtub. The other thing is you can also use a birthing bar. You can ask if your um, facility has a birthing bar. And what that is, it's like a ballet bar and you hold onto it where you can squat. I feel like this isn't known. The most optimal position to give birth is a squatting position. If you think about it, gravity always helps situations, right? Well, in that case, gravity is helping. Like gravity is pulling your baby down and you're squatting, opening your cervix up wider. Does that make sense now that you think about it? So this is another tidbit. Actually, birthing laying down is the least optimal position. And yet in America, that's what we do. They lay us down to have our babies. Isn't that funny? But how they try to help it out is by putting our legs up. So we're like laying down squatting. But like I said, the best position is to be in a squatting position to have your baby. So if you go to a birthing center, a lot of them will have you squat. Like they will really push that on you. Um, So if you want to help your labor progress or you feel like you want to try something new, that's something to try, which is a labor bar or a ballet bar. Um, The other thing you can do is a little bouncing ball. You can continue to bounce on your labor ball. I had done that at home for weeks (laughs) and I would do it all the time. So I was like, no, I don't want no more bouncing ball. And they didn't have a belly bar available um, while I was in the hospital. So I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I just want the bathtub. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) So that's something to take out of my labor story. The other thing is the advocating for yourself. Like I said, this is your labor. So if you don't like something or you need clarification or you need more time or you just need everyone to slow down, say it. Just tell them like, I need this because you want to remember this like you pictured in your head. Not the labor itself but how you reacted and your feelings, right? You want to feel confident that you made the right decision. So if you need more time and you need more information, take it, ask for it. Like this is your labor. No one knows what you need besides yourself and they can only provide you what you need if you advocate for yourself. And I promise you, a lot of us nurses love when you advocate for yourself, when you tell us like, I need you to go over that again, or I need more time, or I need this, or I want this. Or like, can I have this? So the two things that I think you can take out of my labor story, the rest, like I said, I didn't have anything um, super abnormal. Um, But yeah, that's my labor story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I would say next week, stay tuned because I have something super exciting that we're going to talk about. But I think that's it. Bye, girls. Bye.